remarkable what they pulled off early on, and it's because of them that it allows me to do what I want to do. Standing on the shoulders of giants. I'd never want that to get lost. They're just an inspirational group of people. Almost 30 years ago, a team took the field in Missoula for the first time. This is the story of that season. This is the story of the 1994 Montana women's soccer team. This is the story of the Trailblazers. In 1994, before the brand new Montana Grizzlies soccer program had taken the field for a single game, the ambitious internal expectation was to finish with a winning record. The Grizz missed by one game, finishing 7-8. and eight. Under head coach Betsy Dirksen, Montana didn't finish under 500 again for another eight seasons. Looking back on it now, when I look at who we played in our record, it's like, oh gosh, we did, we did pretty well. I remember that we had some kids from the club team, we had some kids that we then replaced the next year because we had another good recruiting year. We had a couple good recruiting years with kids straight out of Seattle. So the teams that I really remember are like the 97 team was a really great team. And our 2000 team that I coached was a really great team. Bill Moose, Montana's athletic director at the time, had a front row seat to the rise of the young program. We felt that there was a chance that women's soccer would get some legs in the Big Sky Conference. The conference had a a bit of a different look back then. Idaho was in it. You know, they left, as all our fans know, for a period of time. We also had the University of Nevada in Reno and Boise State all part of the Big Sky. It was a tremendous conference and still is. We did uh, extensive visits with our peers in the Big Sky and felt that there was um, interest at most of these universities within the conference. There was a need, again, to comply with Title IX, and we went ahead and, like we did so many times at the University of Montana and still are doing, uh, wanted to be in the forefront and be out in front, and uh, as it turned out, we uh, certainly did, and gosh, look at the great things that are happening with that program today. Bill Schwanke also worked in Montana's athletic department during those years. I think Missoula, in particular, was ready for college women's soccer because of the huge interest in youth soccer here. I don't remember the, the dollars and cents part of it in terms of how many boosters that we had that were attracted by the fact that we had soccer. I'm sure there were some. So I just think it was a perfect storm. I mean, I think everything was there for it to take off. But the other side of that for me was I don't think any of us had any idea that it would take off as fast as it did. And a lot of that, again, was Betsy. There was no field, and that's another interesting thing we can talk about, how quickly that came into creation. We knew uh, that the games would have to be played probably at the fort, which is where they started, because it was just an empty expanse of grass. But uh, as it turns out, they've got a really nice field now, thanks to a lot of pressure put on by Betsy. I think what happened was Betsy played a couple of games at the fort and decided something had to be done. So she, she exerted a lot of pressure. I don't remember ever hearing her pull the Title IX card to push it along, but she certainly felt like her ability after that first year to, to recruit the kind of athlete she wanted would be seriously enhanced by having a stadium, even if it was off campus, but having it on campus was perfect. She was very strong-willed and she was aggressive and she was not the type 
that was going to want to take her sweet time getting the program going. I think there was an equal balance with her about, about feeling good that we had a place for them to play at all, but she did not like the fact that it was so far from the university, really wasn't fan-friendly. Like I said, she was strong-willed, and she, I guess I could actually say from being there at the time, she came across being a little bit pushy, but she was pushing for the right things, and she was not shy about doing it. So we got the field a whole lot faster than many of us thought we would. The first season was tough because we were playing at Fort Missoula. We didn't have the new stadium at South Campus yet. I think that was our only below 500 season. I think we ended up seven and eight in the fall of 1994, which for a brand new program that had some club soccer players on it was pretty good. But I still don't like it that we didn't. (laughs) There was that one not winning season, right? But it was tough because we we didn't have our own stadium. It was the next season where we had had a little bit more time to grow, and we had our own stadium. We had these super fans that were basically all these young men from the college that were friends with my players that started to make the game sort of fun and rowdy, that we started to build our identity. So I thought the first year was a little bit tough just because we had to bus over to Fort Missoula and we only had one recruiting class in yet, and our record was seven and eight, and we were just a little bit too removed from the campus. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. It just, the other years were way more fun. <laughs> I didn't feel like I had to sell the program. It seemed to just grow organically that people started coming like those crisp fall Friday afternoons, and you'd see moms, you know, going down. South Avenue, pushing their strollers and coming into the games and sitting on the grass. And like I said, there was these super fans, these young men that were my players' friends that were rowdy. And then you had some of the, just the soccer hardcore people like Gary Stein and Jeff Birnbaum. Missoula is a soccer town. So you had all of the people that play the co-ed adult soccer in Missoula. Like it, it was a diverse group of people that would come to the games, but it seemed like once we had our own stadium that was closer to downtown Missoula, it seemed like we grew our fan base pretty easily. I just I remember having like 500 rowdy people there on Friday afternoons, and that was really fun. And my players would do like these post-goal celebrations that would really like make everyone laugh and get excited. I know the Lady Grizz basketball had bigger crowds than that, but for women's soccer back in the day, that was, those were good-sized crowds that we would sometimes be able to draw, and I didn't have to work for it. The Big Sky Conference started sponsoring women's soccer in 1997. Under Dirksen, the Grizzlies won the first four conference championships. In 2000, she led Montana to what's still the program's greatest accomplishment. After losing to Texas A&M in their first-ever NCAA tournament appearance the year before, the Grizz went to Pullman and beat Washington State one to nothing in the first round of the national tournament. The game was so fun because we woke up that morning and, you know, we're in a hotel room and you open the blinds and there had just been a presidential election. I, but that meant it was, what, early November. But we look outside and there's snow on the ground. There's like a lot of snow on the ground. We did not know that was going to happen. And so we didn't know if the game was going to be played, but sure enough, they shoveled the field and we played the game. Even though it was an away game, I'd say maybe it was to our advantage because we just had Montana kids, you know? 
we fought really, really hard. And the goal that Shannon Forsen scored was amazing. Like she truly dribbled the whole field all by herself. And then Natalie Hiller made some crazy saves. And it was so exciting to win that game. Then we went on to play University of Washington in the second round and they smacked us 5-0. And I remember all these details so well, like it was just yesterday. But it gave us just this feeling like, hey, we belong here, you know? We're not just some small-town program. Like, we belong. We're one of, I think we were one of the top 32 teams still standing. That was a lot of fun. Just a, gr- a great memory. When Dirksen left Montana after the 2003 season, her record was 117 wins, 69 losses, and 7 draws. It was a lofty record of accomplishment that Grizz coaches have been chasing ever since. Will Hedrick, I was a head coach at the University of Montana from 2004 to 2010. I didn't really know Betsy before, um, but when I arrived, I mean, just an incredibly accommodating presence within the, within the community and still within the, the program, incredibly welcoming to, to me and, and gave it an exceptional guidance, really. As I arrived into town, I was very supportive of, you know, obviously the, the program continuing to move forward and then build on what, uh, what she had built in her time. You go into a community, sometimes um, you go in and there's no real support, there's no connection to the history of the program, and you're, you're simply dropping yourself as a coach into, into a program and, uh, and, and to a community that's, and it's a blank slate. She's had such a strong foundation that her influence still impacts the, the program. After seven seasons, Mark Plakoris replaced Sedgwick in 2011. I've always thought very highly of Betsy and, and her teams. I mean, I actually lived in Montana when she was coaching in Montana and watched those teams play year in and year out and got to know the players on the team from, from that original team uh, as well as Betsy herself. So when I got the opportunity come back into Montana and take over the program, I was beyond excited, number one. But also I felt a big responsibility to Betsy and to all the ones who had established the tradition of greatness in that program. And I took it very seriously because they put the program on the map. They they set the standard for what Grizz soccer should be day in and day out. Betsy herself is a incredible competitor and, and is very driven. I could see her in, in her teams. And the players, when I talked to them, they're the same way. They had expectations. They didn't care they were a new program. Their expectation was to, to win and start something new. And I think they did a very good job of that. And it was just, you didn't have a lot of, kids within the state to draw upon to build your program you know and so that was another challenge she had to face i was living in great falls at the time and we were the last double a schools in our city to to get high school soccer and that didn't happen i think until it was 97 i was the boys high school coach at great falls high that first year the rest of the state was only at pretty much the double a schools other than whitefish they had a team it was another responsibility she had as well in promoting the game and being an entity that other people got excited about so they would then go and help grow the game in their cities and and want to have more high school programs and things like that. I mean, that team impacted the state of Montana in in more ways than just setting a standard and and winning championships for the Grizz. I mean, they they helped grow the game immensely in that state. Chris Chudovitsky went on to replace Plakoris and has been Montana's coach for the past six seasons. 
During that time, the Grizzlies have won six Big Sky championships between the regular season and the conference tournament and made it to the NCAA tournament three times. Something had to light the fire. So you can play that song in the background. We had, uh, you know. So they, they lit the fire, they got it going. And ever since I got here, I studied during the interview process, Robin Selvig and I studied everything that Betsy built. And that's what allowed me to dream big here is if Robin can win at those levels and Betsy could do it at those levels, I'm gonna just start spewing out how much we're gonna win here because it's doable. They've done it, I'm doing it. And so that's what allowed me to wanna push as hard as I did for this job. I can win at the highest possible levels because they did it. So remarkable what they pulled off early on. And it's because of them that it allows me to do what I wanna do. You're standing on what they did back then. Standing on the shoulders of giants, yes. I'd never want that to get lost. They're just inspirational group of people. And to build it from the ground up, to build the field, Stories are that they had to like pick rocks out of that space, right? And lay out the turf themselves because they don't want to pay to have a company come in to do it. So everything that we have comes down to those groups. For the coaches who came after Dirksen, the Trailblazers represented a standard to uphold. For the women of the 1994 Montana soccer team, the players who created that standard, the triumphs of that first group represent something more. Courtney Matheson, the forward from Redmond, Washington, who was overlooked by her dream school, Washington State, still holds the program records for career goals and assists. I think by the time we had gone through this season and had just a more realistic idea of, of what it meant to compete at that level, we were, we were happy. We were okay with seven and eight from which to build on. And then again, having all those freshmen play so many minutes of so many games, we just developed really quickly. And so then it got a lot more fun the next three seasons. Mainly I was fast and I, and I was pretty accurate with a shot, but not like a smart tactical player that could break down defenses or figure that kind of stuff out. I tell my kids I was more just like a dumb horse. I could just run a lot and fast. And so ultimately I moved to the outside mid position and that was just a way better fit. And Karen Hardy had come on by then and she was playing outside mid and Betsy realized mid game once like, oh, those two should switch and it was it was a great fit for both of us it was like such a great experience from betsy to julie to we had two different erics helping out with our goalkeepers chief Fong was one of our assistant coaches I, I just always felt in such good hands and i literally love my teammates and that's not to say there wasn't the conflict and the drama but i i think it was you know what, what you would expect from having so many young women put together in that situation. I just have a lot of love for that team, and I think Betsy is, is to credit for that. Megan Bartonetti, a forward originally from Seattle, followed Dirksen from Seattle University and was one of just two upperclassmen on the 1994 team. I think that the memories that stick out is just how funny everybody was and how silly we were and how much we actually really did get along with each other. I mean, sure, there were times when we didn't probably, you know, always get along, but for the most part, like, it's those memories of, of traveling and hanging out and just the jokes. I think that the players that you've already interviewed, I mean, they're just hilarious. It's those inside jokes. And, you know, I don't know if any of us realized that we were starting a program and how amazing all of that was at the time, but like just to be a part of it was something that I think about and I cherish all the time. It was exciting, you know, it was a true college campus and the excitement of games and fans starting to like 
realized that, you know, we had a women's soccer program on campus and how exciting it was just to be building, being a part of that program and building it. By the end, you know, when we were at the new field and like the amount of fans that would come and, you know, we'd have posters and people would ask us for our autographs. And, you know, I never had that at CLU. It was just such a great environment and, you know, proud to be a part of it. And I enjoyed my time for sure. Glad I did it. You know, people sometimes like, do you ever regret transferring? And, you know, there's little things that, you know, maybe I would have regret, but for the most part, no. My teammates are who I still am connected to till this day. And we celebrate together different milestones in our life and just a great group of women who have been a tremendous support group for for me, for sure. Looking back, it's definitely something that I'm proud of. And I always think about the things that I've done in my life. And I always say the top three things that I've done is got married, had kids, and played college soccer. (laughs) I also coach. And when I talk to my players and I'm like, you know, I talk about just the relationships that were built during those years and how valuable they were then and how valuable they are now. You know, we didn't always get along all the time, but at the end of the day, we always had each other's back. When your teammates, you know, it's teammates for life. And I think that back then I didn't realize like how special all of this really would be later down the road. Lisa Oyen, a defender from Oregon, led the 1994 team in assists. As a senior in 1997, she was named the first ever Big Sky Defender of the Year. She went on to become a coach herself, eventually following in Dirksen's footsteps by becoming a Division I head coach at Arizona. When I do the math, I'm like, wait, that can't be right. I have a lot of really great memories about my, my first year there, and I think part of it is we all came in so unknowingly and not really knowing what was ahead of us. No, there was times, you know, it was just hard, and then we played out at Fort Missoula, and you know, our uniforms all fit. They were all maybe a little bit big, but, you know, it was just hard. And our, our socks didn't always stay up or they were too tight and just going through those sorts of things. Um, but we were appreciative to be there. We were appreciative for what the university invested in the program. Yeah, again, because there was just kind of no standard and soccer was still a bit emerging in college as far as it, its growth. It was just very unique to itself. And so I think that's Probably, looking back, great, that there wasn't a standard that was set, and it was a first-year program, so there was no tradition to be set. So there was almost no predetermined expectations. I mean, there were standards that we would have, for sure, but we kind of got to write that narrative. Um, And looking back, that was pretty exciting and really fun. And then as things got better and better, I think we are just more appreciative of everything that we were given and saw that the university did care and seeing our new stadium and our new facility and seeing that from going to Fort Minnesota to that to what it is today, that progression is, it's just, it's great to see that, like, how it's grown, especially when you're, you know, at Fort Missoula doing the best you can with the resources you had and then seeing how nice it is today. You just appreciate it a little bit more. Nikki Grossberg, a midfielder from Helena, was the only player from Montana on the 1994 Grizz team. She still lives in Montana, where she heads the state's Child and Family Services Department. We were highly competitive, and so different people kind of partnered with different friends on the team and, you know, would challenge, you know, other teammates. Just remember, it was like by far the most intense group of women that I've played with in my life at that point. 
now you can look back and be like, wow, that was really actually amazing. I don't think we've recognized it at the time and even, you know, 10 years later. But now looking back, like it's been, what, 30 years almost? Like that's pretty impressive what was accomplished. And then what's happened since then, the friendships, the connection, all of those pieces are a huge part of my life. Looking back, recognizing how much it shaped my ability to, you know, persevere and deal with adversity and commit to, you know, my, my current work. I think it definitely shaped that. It shaped how I work in teams and how we move projects forward or things like that. I think the amount of what we learned about, you know, being a team probably has shaped my life more than anything. Maggie Carey, a defender from Boise, thought her soccer career was over before transferring from Idaho to Montana. She went on to become a key piece of the first few Grizz teams and is now a Hollywood writer, producer, and director. I hope the players that are playing now and the players that come after us listen to this and know what dorks we were, but also like we really did create something special in the tradition of the personality of the team. And I do think that has continued as we've met with like other alumni over the years. There's this instant bond and most people share a similar sense of humor, even though, again, very different people, very different points of view. Like the the personality of the team as a whole is sort of what I really feel like hopefully our legacy is, because I think we brought something different to campus that wasn't there in the same way. We were a very specific type of very outspoken female athletes that were also total dorks that I I really am proud of. <laughs> That's our legacy. We also did not want to be called the Lady Grizz. Like, I was adamant we were not ladies. We were soccer players. And the Lady Grizz was this respected basketball program. We were not. There was no men's soccer team. So when they started to call us Lady Grizz, it made me crazy. We were like, no, we're the Grizz. It's Grizz soccer. And I do think that kind of I don't want to call us trailblazers, but that point of view, like I know Betsy had to fight for a lot of things for us. I also think as much as the community was like so awesome and supportive, we were not funded the same as other programs. Like there's definitely, we are a product of Title IX. The female athletes that came before us had to fight and we were also ready to put up that fight. Like it was, you know, in the weight room, like lifting weights and the football team would come in and act like they own the place. And it was like, we need our time in here too, even though I hated lifting weights. So I think we were a group of of young women with really strong opinions. We were not always very articulate. <laughs> we probably were a little bit like um, rough around the edges, but we always had like strong opinions and convictions and we weren't afraid to speak up and like ask for what we wanted, even though we, we often didn't get it. So I think there is that legacy, like this, the university, I have such gratitude towards the university because they took a real chance. They could have picked any sport and they did soccer and that, especially in Montana, like no one played soccer in Montana back then. So we owe a lot also to the university for sort of taking a chance on this program. And I think it really 
it paid off. I think it's changed soccer in the state of Montana. I think the community, like even the crowds at these games are still so awesome. And and you get to see the, like the younger kids, boys and girls, like watching these women play today. I think that's just, it's really special. And it's also, I think it's incredibly unique to Missoula, to Montana, and to this town and the university of what a truly special place it is. Julie Holmes played for Dirksen at Seattle and then became her first assistant coach at Montana. In 1997, she completed the circle by taking Dirksen's old head coaching job at Seattle University. She's now been the head coach at Seattle for 27 years. You know, there's many a day I think I would not be in my 27th year as a head coach if she had never given me that opportunity back then. But she taught me a lot, not just about the actual coaching and building a program from scratch, which was definitely a challenge, but just her her work ethic. And I know there's been great coaches after her, but in my opinion, I've been doing this for so long. And I really think her starting the program and the type of people she recruited in the community she created is something that continues to pass down tradition and culture, which I think is the reason that program has remained pretty successful throughout its existence. Even up until recently, I hadn't thought much about it, but I I think surrounding Betsy's induction into the Hall of Fame and then hearing about, you know, the 30-year anniversary of the program and celebrating the first team, I think back on it and I feel very privileged and honored to have been a part of it and very grateful to Betsy for the opportunity she gave me because, like I said, I don't know if I would be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for her, but I'm just impressed with how she built that program and it continues to thrive. And I think some of it is because she was the one who started the program. And finally... Betsy Dirksen never took another college head coaching job after leaving Montana in 2003. She still coaches youth soccer in California, she still comes back to Montana to visit, and she still treasures the legacy of her first ever Grizz team, the Trailblazers. They gave us a foundation to build the program upon. And Coach Chris, current Coach Chris, he's pretty cool. He like has the girls look back on the history of the program and what are the values that started it and helped the current kids to see that they're part of a legacy that this first group started. Courtney's a lawyer and Helena, and apparently she's pretty big time. Julie Woodward, my assistant coach, she's been at Seattle University for 27 years, over 300 wins at Seattle U. Like she way surpassed me. She's the one that should be getting interviewed and being inducted into Hall of Fame. But even like Michelle Badilla Gizek and Liz Roberts, they were telling me at the Hall of Fame banquet that they together ran into one another because they were standing in front of the a Montana State Board regarding homelessness in Helena, that they both ended up being speakers in front of the state of Montana about housing issues in Helena. And that made me so proud. Like, yeah, these young women, they're going on to be confident enough to speak in front of people about important issues for their community. Like, I just think that's the best thing a coach could ever hope for is that your players go forward and do good things. Yeah, Maggie Carey's a screenwriter in Hollywood. Like, amazing. Going back to the Hall of Fame banquet, and there was like 30 former players and coaches, I realized that we've become, over the years, a support network for one another, like encouraging each other and still having fun together. Like, we've kept our ties going, but we've become a group that supports one another 
and we there's a little bit of um and I don't mean this in like a aggressive way but for women to be community and to be strong together and to be team and to support one another that plays forward in everyone's lives in such a positive way like title nine came along and allowed women's team sports to really be supported at universities the way that they are for men's teams that has been huge for women to then go forward after ncaa college athletics to go forward into the world and to be strong and courageous and confident in a way that only sports can give us Trailblazers. Betsy Dirksen and the 1994 Montana women's soccer team is a special presentation of Soccer in Snow and Smoke. You can find Soccer in Snow and Smoke on all your favorite podcast platforms. Brought to you by the Missoula Broadcasting Company and Skyline Sports. Visit 1029ESPN.com or SkylineSportsMT.com and click on podcasts to learn more. Recorded, produced, and edited by Andrew Houghton. Voiced by Andrew Houghton and Rhonda Smith. Logo designed by Andrew Houghton and Michaela Badziak.